0: Salutations, listeners, and welcome to another episode of How You Feeling, a podcast dedicated to exploring the world of emotional intelligence in a practical and useful way. As always, I'm your host, Dr. C, and I'm so excited to be with you for another episode. This time, we are going to be covering the topic of cognitive processing and reframing. It is a mental tool to help us sort of work through beliefs, but we'll get into the thick of that here in a few minutes. As always, we're joined by our favorite co-host, Dr. Jeff Haverland. Jeff, how you feeling?
1: Well, you know, I' uh, trying to figure this one out today because I, I think I'm I'm feeling really kind of weirdly content. It's been a very um, stressful week, um, very odd feelings up and down, and all of that. But right now, I'm, you know, it just feeling pretty good. I finally got through a, a multivitamin I had been taking that I despise, um, and uh, moved on to a different one. And believe it or not, that has really helped my my way I think and act and start the day because the last one I took is a vitamin pack it had all these things in it and it smelled like the rodent cages when like when I used to own rodents when I'd clean them every week or so sure that and it freaked me out like nothing should smell like rodent urine um, (laughs) putting in your body and so anyway so weirdly enough that has kind of made me very content that I'm on to something else and I you know, not crying as much as I have in the beginning of the week. So, so life is, life is getting a little bit better. Good. Good. That's awesome to hear. Yeah. You-, I, um, you know, I, I,
0: I'm, I'm in a similar boat. Um, you know, our, our girls uh, are back in, in school. Uh, and so the, the, the stress of now that they're outside the bubble, you know, what is that going to mean? But we have infinite trust in our, in our site. Um, they are they are doing things above and beyond and you know for for my older daughter just being back around all her little friends i think is so so important um and and even though they're all sort of still early in their journey of having to communicate with each other you know smiles and giggles and laughs are universal and so i'm just sort of happy that she's back in that but now that sort of puts us back into our school year routine you know my wife is at work i'm at work the girls are are safe at school and so yeah, kind of a an uneasy return to normal, if you will, kind of like what you were saying. So I'm just sort of excited for the school year to get going again. I'm I'm very confident that the plan that we have in place is going to be a good one, provided that everybody buys in and does what they're supposed to do. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just excited for the school year to get going.
1: Yeah, it's funny. My, my son met his uh, pre- uh, president. Well, didn't really meet her. She was just out and about giving a, a speech and talking about how it's all up to these kids if they really want to have um school continue then they better be wearing their masks you know and and i kind of wonder you know you have your kids at at like daycare and then how do you keep little kids apart like they Uh, (coughs) radically gravitate toward one another
0: yeah like i I think of it of i've always i've never been a soccer person but my friends who have been always call like youth soccer b-ball (laughs) because nobody plays a position they all just sort of chase the ball around and i think that daycare is very much that way as well but i think what what our site has done um knowing that they can't keep kids away from each other is they've just really instead of like 12 or 15 kids in a room they only have six kids in a room gotcha um and so they've really tried to limit contact that way and then dedicated playground and cleaning playground time so that each group has a fresh playground to play on. So certainly a little more labor intensive, but we felt very confident that those changes were, were ultimately in the best interest of the kids. So, yep. Yep. But you're right. I know that sort of is the K-12 argument right now for the K-5 side is how do you keep kindergartners and first graders from wanting to hold each other's hands and skip down the hallway and you know all that. So <laughs> yep. I'm sure that will very much be a challenge. Well, good. Well, as I mentioned at the top of the episode, we are talking about, this is essentially the the part three of our three part exploration of beliefs um, and now that we've sort of covered what core beliefs are and the different sides to the core beliefs, be they empowering or limiting, now we're talking about it's it's more of a, a framework to help process beliefs and it sort of will will put the bow on. How beliefs work and 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 I don't want to bury the lead, so we'll we'll start with the question that will help our listeners kind of get the context of where we're coming from so jeff what what is if you had to, to boil CPR down what is that that strategy
1: so you know whenever we're faced with with an event or you know anything that we we tend to have beliefs about that um, and You know, those beliefs can very easily color how we react, um, how we think about it, how we feel about it, all of that stuff. And so CPR is this strategy that really has us focus on, okay, at this moment, how am I really feeling? What do I believe um, about what's going on? Um, You know, and then based on that, you know, how are my thoughts and feelings triggering that belief and then looking at what our potential outcomes. Um, And so it gives us this chance that we very rarely take, I think, in a lot of um, in our current lifestyle to be reflective and just say, all right, so I feel this way. And because I feel this way, it's attached to this belief, it's attached to this consequence. Um, So it's, it's really just a chance for us to kind of ground ourselves. um, And frankly, it seems like we need to ground ourselves more and more often, um, with you know our current uh, climate and everything like that. But um, it still is something I think we all struggle with. We just are like, well, this is what I believe, and you know, if you don't like it, that kind of thing. And so, just taking that time to pause and to figure out where, why everything or how everything is actually connected. So, yeah. add to that at all. Well, I, I, nothing to what
0: you described, but I would just say for the listeners, uh, we are going to walk through the visual aid uh, after we've, we finish sort of talking through the questions we have for each other. So if if in what we say in the next little bit still isn't really clicking, uh, similar to our episode on the self-care wheel, we're going to walk through each element of this visual aid to help you understand it. So if it doesn't click right away, please know
1: that, that, that it will by the end. Um, so... Okay, so then let's just get right into it. Then, so for you, Kevin, would you say your beliefs have ever been challenged, and you know how and how and why? Sure, um, and boy, that's that's
0: a huge question, um, and, and certainly I, I would say yes. Um, you know, I think part of what it means to grow as an individual is the constant evaluation of your core beliefs, and I know we talked a little. We talked a little bit about that in our core belief section of kind of where they come from and and why we hold on to them or move on from them. And I think at the root of what CPR is, is that actual process of maintaining or moving on from core beliefs. Uh, And so I know as I have grown, um, you know, certainly core beliefs, you know, things like the value of education, uh, the value of trust, the value of, um, of, you know, humor and, and, and beliefs in certain societal structures and things like that. Like, they, they almost, if, if, if you make it to sort of early adulthood and have never had a belief challenged, like, I guess I don't know what kind of bubble you're living in, because I think just by, by being exposed to life and being exposed to new people and new experiences, you're going to encounter someone who believes something differently about a similar issue and so, even if you maintain your position, at least now you've been exposed to a new position and so you know I would say that that challenging of beliefs is a byproduct of of growth um, and so for sure, I know mine have what about you
1: well you know i I think of things like you know you with like religion with um and I know that can be very much of value as well, but religion and uh, politics um I, I I'm weirdly looking forward to, to November because I I just really want to see how this whole political avenue goes with with um, how what I what I'm playing out in my head, how it's going to be. Sure. But this is something I've really been paying more attention to um, as of late. You know, I have a very you know, I'm pretty strong in my political beliefs. I have a lot of friends and family who tend to be opposite in those beliefs. Um, and so it in the past, it could really lead to some really tense, ugly kind of moments. Um, but what I've tried to find myself or tried to make myself do is really sit back and say, OK, so I may not like this person or this ideology, but what, what is it about this ideology? And so, you know, I get my beliefs challenged all the time, but I think that it has a lot to do with the fact that I'm, I'm starting to be more open to it. Sure. Um, I know other people who are like, this is what I believe, and if you don't like it, we don't have to be friends. Like, I see posts like that on Facebook and that, and it just makes me laugh. Like, Wow. Um, that's, that's really interesting that you're going to throw that out there, but not be able to tolerate any other viewpoints in that. So, um, and so this, I think our beliefs, if it's a natural existence, our beliefs are challenged. You know, you, you meet new friends, you meet boyfriends, girlfriends, you eventually marry people, um, or, you know, have work relationships and all, everybody has come up in a different way, even if they lived side by side. And so, you know, it. we all have a set of beliefs that in order to learn, in order to get better, we have to be willing to be challenged or challenge others, you know, in a decent way where you can have a conversation rather than just immediately inflame and um, be agitated and shut that down and tell me I'm stupid because I don't believe a certain way. And so um, it, it's just a very intriguing um Thing about growing up I believe even with kids you know you're like as a kid you know you're never going to treat your kids the way your parents treated you and then you grow up and you realize there might have been a reason your parents did what <laughs> at the time that they did it and so um, so you know I think I, I deal with this uh, challenge of beliefs constantly um, sure. now especially since my son is out of the house and off to college I I find myself having to really reconcile um, issues I have or concerns I have, and I have to really think through them so that I don't just leap to the worst possible scenario. Um, but again, it's only been like a week, so um, I'm sure I'll get better at that as I go along. But Oh, I'm sure you will.
0: <laughs> okay, so, so let me piggyback on that then, Jeff. We, we, we acknowledge that beliefs can and do change, but is it, is it easy to change a belief? So if, if you if you have, have sort of realized that something that you once believed maybe is not what you thought it was, how 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 hard do you think it is to change that to a differing viewpoint?
1: Huh. You know, changing your beliefs is typically, you know, maybe when you're maybe when you're younger, like a really young kid, or maybe on something really simple um like your fla- favorite flavor of ice cream maybe you can change beliefs quickly in that but but when you start getting to the core of who you are um i think beliefs get very very they can be very difficult to change um because you know i think of one like um religion you know if that's your belief if that's your value and you know all of a sudden you start getting information that tells you differently or you start realizing that you believe in most of it, except certain rules that um, exist, you know, that were made by people just like you who are in the religion that thought that was the best way to do things. All of a sudden you start to challenge and you're like, well, so do I continue to believe what I've always believed now that I can't say I believe 100 percent? And right. and so I think it, it really does take some soul searching Um, You know, and it can be as silly as people believing that the best tool to use is a DeWalt, that they will never use another type of tool because it is going to be as good. And so you go into those um, really looking for um, reasons to sabotage it and, um, you know, and tear that thing down when, in fact, it could the tool you're using could be an amazing tool, but you're just so set on it. You're so ingrained with it. It's just hard. And when it starts to question, call into question who you are at your very fabric, then I think beliefs get very, very difficult to change. Um, And frankly, we've been steeped in our beliefs since we were born. You know, not that we were always processing what that belief was, but, but, you know, you've talked about it before about how people come to college and. And they meet people that they, you know, they have never, never experienced people that didn't look anything like themselves. And and it's a whole new belief of, you know, what's out there and and um, who's out there and what vantage points people have and why the same situation can look differently from people or from people standing two feet apart. And so, you know, it it's just those life experiences that that allow us to at least explore changing our beliefs. But I don't think it necessarily is an easy process. And if it's easy, then truly, you probably you probably weren't really convicted on that other belief in the in the first place or convicted sounds kind of a stupid word to say, but your conviction could be sure question a little bit on that. So um, now, do you think you agree with me or not? What do you think?
0: No, I'm with you. I think certainly there's a spectrum of beliefs that are easier to change versus those that aren't. As you were talking about the DeWalt tools, I chuckled because I know there's always an ongoing debate in the automotive world that, oh, I'm only going to buy Ford or I'm only going to buy Toyota and and all the others ones are, are trash. And it's like, well, if they were trash, they wouldn't exist. So, like, let's 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 take a small step back from that. Um, but no, I, I think I think you know I, I do an assignment in one of my classes where I ask the students to to reflect on and challenge their beliefs, and I get at least two to three students every semester that come to me early in that process before the, the assignment is due that they spent the whole last night crying because they realize they don't know what they believe in because all of their beliefs have been the ones that mom and dad or, or teachers or religious leaders have sort of put on them and they never really took the time to figure out, is this part of my belief structure or is it not? And my, my heart hurts for them when they tell me that, but ultimately like I'm very proud to hear that because that means they actually were giving a thought and they actually took the time to go, okay, belief a, is in belief be ooh you know what uh, you know and 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 I love when the students give it the attention that it deserves because all of us have beliefs that were given to us that we never really challenged because we never had a reason to and when you can sort of do that inventory, I think that's when growth happens because then you start to realize oh you know maybe this thing isn't that thing you know I, I you know I heard you chatting and I'll echo the You know, we've had some students in the past where they come from a very small town and and have not seen, you know, uh, other ethnicities, you know, in person, like they've only seen them in movies or on TV. And the first time they come to a bigger city and and are exposed to that, I imagine that that can be very belief challenging based on sort of what their family says or doesn't say. Um, And so, yeah, I think certainly some are easier than others. uh, But just because the ones that are hard are hard doesn't mean you should look to try to, to see if that belief is worth still having or if it needs to change. Uh, because if it's scary, that means that, that there's a growth opportunity there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. And you know, I, huh, that's funny. Train of thought just left the station. So, Hey, we don't even have to go on that one, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I totally agree with the points that you're making on that. It, it, It's just it's a very interesting process. So this is a really good thing, especially at a time where, you know, we have kids starting to move back into um, the university. Um, People are making big life changes, you know, heading to different parts of the country. Um, And and so there's a chance that a a really good chance that you're going to be using um, this CPR strategy if, you know, you're really looking to figure out who you are and why you you believe what you do. Um, and how it influences you. So tell me then something that you have believed in the past, but it maybe has changed since then.
0: Sure. Uh, And so I I did a little bit of thinking on this, knowing that we were coming to this topic uh, today. And I think one of the ones that sticks out to me is the the belief of what leadership is. Um, and, And I'll say that I think kind of growing up, the leadership style that that I think is primarily reinforced when you're younger is authoritative and you trust and believe the person in charge because they're in charge, because they wouldn't be in charge if they weren't capable. Um, And and sort of just that top down person A tells person B, person B tells person C, et cetera, et cetera. And as I started growing and, and working more and kind of seeing how organizations run, I, I very much am now in the camp, and I actually just had a great conversation with uh, one of my students in, a, in an advising meeting not too long ago, that the idea that the best leaders, when they hire or when they grow their staff or when they, they look to evolve, every, the best leaders would tell you that every person they have ever hired in their organization, they see as someone who could take over for them. Versus the other way of I'm hiring someone just to fill a gap in our employment loop and, and we're moving on. And so that idea that you should be hiring colleagues, not subordinates, blew my mind because that's not what I experienced in, you know, little league teams and in in high school teams and in early sort of uh high school jobs where it was just do what I say because I'm telling you to say it. And if you can't, then we'll find somebody who will. Um, to that, no, you should be hiring people that that are, you know, essentially I've always sort of been taught that great leaders hire people who are strong where they are weak um, and not yes people or or people that all think the same way that they do. And I've really tried to embody that lately because I do see the value in bringing people up to where I am so that they can one day pass me. But if you don't ever give someone that chance that can wreck a whole sort of path right then and there. And so for me, I think that's one of the big ones that sticks out to me as leadership.
1: What about you? You know, I have a lot of them. And as I'm sitting here, they kind of spin through my mind and then I'm like, well, I don't really know if I like, and you know, so I'm, I'm finding myself being a wish little wishy washy on this, but, but you know, it's, I'll tell you an interesting one that, and it's not a really serious thing by any means, but, um, you know, I used to really believe you graduated from high school and you either went to the work world or um, you went to college or you did one of those things. Like there was really no reason for you to have a pause in things. Um, But, you know, as I meet, as I do this job more and more, I'm really starting to believe in this idea of a mandated gap year um, between high school and college or high school and work or whatever, um, where you really do get the chance to go out and kind of explore and to figure things out. You know, it's it's really come into view for me. And I keep, I know, talking about my son heading to college. But, you know, they had a big issue um, on his campus earlier this week when we had that huge storm go through. Um, and it blacked out power and he was without power and anything else, you know, for like a day and a half before he told us that. Um, and, you know, it got me to realize that and it I shouldn't say got me to realize it got me really thinking about, you know, these kids who two weeks ago were 100 percent dependent on their parents have now been put into a situation where they're technically kind of on their own. I mean, you look at FERPA and things like that, and we're not really allowed to communicate back and forth unless we get permission. Um, And so I I used to believe that, yeah, everybody was ready, but I'm starting to think more, especially watching him, watching his friends, you know, that it sometimes wouldn't hurt to have that moment. Even, even dare I say like mandatory military service, you know, where I'm starting to get why these countries do that um, because it really, it does help you kind of sort out your life and grow up a bit. Um, and so that's, that's just been interesting to me, but that really changed me at the core, um, in terms of how I look at new students, how I look at these, and I always, whether it's probably considered to be hostile, but I always refer to them as kids. I just always have, and maybe I need to change that. I'll work on it another day, but but I really pay attention to these kids now in terms of what they're feeling, what they look like, um, you know, what what is that thing they're presenting um, and realizing that some of them are just freaking scared to death and they're for sure. l- an adult to be like, OK, I know the world is falling apart, you know, but here's what we can do. Here's what I can help you with. And so so all of this is really just this has been a big change for me, just to make sure that, you know, are we giving our kids enough, um, real life experience before real life is sitting on their doorstep. And so again, this isn't like some big traumatic issue that, you know, I'm challenging my belief on, like my political viewpoints or anything like that, but, but this is a very important issue to me now. Um, it has been since I've come to this, um, university, but, but really it, it, you know, I think with everything, the more context we're given about stuff, the more insight we have, the better we are to challenge our own beliefs or to to ask others to challenge their beliefs, because at least we know what we're talking about. All right. Um, and so. So, yeah, that's I feel well, like a totally dark I, question there, but no,
0: no, no. But I I think I was going to say it. you said that and I'm nodding along with you because I think there's something to be like this virus certainly has put into perspective more the let's not be willy nilly with our time. And I think there still are a portion of, of people who seek college as a, "Eh, we'll go, we'll see what it's about. We'll try to figure out our, you know, that sort of thing where it's kind of the, the, the direction isn't completely set yet. And I think there's a lot to be said because there are a lot of other countries that either do military mandatory military service or, like civil service, like Teach for America, or, you know, their equivalent of like Teach for America or Peace Corps or something, where they want you to go see in real life what sort of things interest you and 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 don't. So that when you do college or or whatever is the next step, you have a much better idea of what that should be. So I think there's something to be said for it. I don't think that's that's silly or weird at all. I think a lot of other countries do it in different ways where you are older when you start school because they want you to go figure out what you're passionate about and what, what, what is something you might want to learn more about. So.
1: Yeah. And it's, it, you know, I can think, you know, if you sit long enough, you'll think of a million things that you've probably had your beliefs challenged. Like I'm sitting here just kind of chuckling to myself because I believe I hate beats. Like beets are the grossest thing ever to be created in this world as a natural product. Um, and I cannot get myself to challenge that stupid belief because they freak me out. I don't like how they look, taste, touch, nothing. So, you know, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't always have to be these earth shattering challenges to your beliefs. Um, And sometimes we will die on a Hill over something so stupid because we just are not going to put ourselves out there to figure it out. And I, I think as you grow and get smarter in terms of navigating life, you realize that sometimes it is worth just opening wide and letting that experience hit you so that you really can think about, you know, have I been thinking in the right way all this time? Have I been believing the right thing all of this time? Sure. And I think,
0: I think when you really dedicate yourself to examining your beliefs, it can be very rabbit holy that way. Like, I think you can definitely start doing the, well, if I didn't think this way about thing a, well, what about thing B? And then you can just sort of find yourself in this like whirlpool of, of quest more questions than answers. It can be very like I said when when my students come to me emotional because oh geez I realize I don't know what I believe in or why I believe in it. That's a very like paradigm shifts are very effective that way where it's like wow I I I never realized the depth of all of this.
1: Yep, I agree. So
0: my last question for you, and it, and we're still sort of on that topic of. Um, beliefs and, and sort of how they they fluctuate but how would you say your state of mind or your thoughts and feelings or your behaviors what happens to them when you discover that one of your beliefs might be more limiting uh, or 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 on the positive side more empowering like when you first realize uh oh this belief is working for me or uh oh this belief is working against me what does that do to your your state of mind and your thoughts and your feelings and your actions and all that
1: well, you know, I think it can if especially if it 's an empowering thing, you know it can give you a huge boost in um, in confidence in you know how you approach the situation and that and i I truly believe that you know it's and I think we kind of talked about this with empowering and limiting beliefs but not all limiting beliefs are horrible things and not all empowering beliefs are great things. I mean, you can be in a great situ- a, a situation that has really good outcomes for you, but isn't necessarily good for anybody else, which, you know, might empower you to behave a certain way. But in terms of, uh, you know, a global vantage point, you you really, you know, aren't doing the greater good, you know, and so it I think when we discover for the most part, like if we just take them at face value and say a limiting belief is bad, even though I just said not to, um, but you, if you say that limiting belief is bad, then it gives you an incentive then to really process. How do I fix this? However, I have met people who will say, I don't like this about myself. I don't like what I believe, but I'm old. I don't care. And, and so they're done. Like that's it for their processing. Um, And so But for a lot of people, that gives them a chance to say, so this isn't working. What am I going to do next? Whereas that empowering belief, you know, okay, this is working. I have more confidence. This wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Um, It's just a very profound moment where you can then say, well, you know, I thought I was afraid of this. I believed I was afraid of this. But now that I'm interacting with this, I'm no longer having those thoughts and feelings. Therefore, my behavior has changed now or can change now. And so I I think this is a really powerful moment where you kind of get that, um, you kind of get that cognitive dissonance where you thought one way, but maybe it went a different way and it allows you to grow in that sense. Yeah. So how would you add to that one?
0: Well, I will add to that by by jumping into the diagram. Like let's let's kind of talk through this because I think um, at the root of what CPR is kind of answers this question, if that's all right with you. Fine with me. Sure, so I'll lay out the basic uh, structure of this. I'll sort of give my two cents and then certainly Jeff, please jump in and, and add to it as, uh, as you feel called to. Uh, and so at its core, the CPR process is a four, it's a four step circle. And I think some of the important things to point out as we get into this circle is largely you can start at any one of the stops on the circle. I'll, I'll go, I'll walk through sort of the traditional flow. But I think as, a, as in terms of a reflection tool, you'll see that any one of the, the elements of this can be the trigger that causes the reflection. And so, so then rather than continuing to sort of be ambiguous, let's jump into it. So the first element in this cycle is the belief itself. My belief in family, in religion, in politics, in beats, in, in wearing scarves in the winter. And, and, and that's the starting spot. So if you can genuinely tell me, well, I don't really, I don't believe in anything. Well, A, that's not true, but B, then this process doesn't work because that's where it starts. Um, so fr- from belief, we go around the circle to the next stop, which is the combination of thoughts and feelings. And so what, what we're saying as we move through this, this cycle is, how does this belief make me think? And how does this belief make me feel? And so once you sort of get a handle on what your thoughts and your feelings are doing as a reaction to that belief, then we move to step three of four on the cycle, and that's actual behavior. So my belief in beats leads me to thinking that they're yucky and I feel weird when someone brings them out onto the table for dinner because why would someone waste their money on that? And so then your behavior is... It can be many things, but principally, you're not going to eat the beets. You may even speak up and try to discourage other people from eating the beets, but your behavior will be a direct result of what your thoughts and feelings are on that belief. And then as we move into step four, step four is the outcome. So if I decide to try to persuade someone to not eat beets because I think they're gross and they happen to love them, then that could be a negative outcome because that person is saying, well, hey, have you ever tried them before? Like, why are you saying this if you've never tried them before? Uh, And so typically when we get to the outcome step, all behaviors can either have a positive outcome, a negative outcome or a neutral outcome. A.E. or I.E., I told you that yesterday I drove past a a silver car. Okay, good. Like that doesn't have a positive or negative effect. It's just information. Um, and so, so once we start evaluating the outcomes of the behavior, then the cycle closes itself. The loop closes itself because then that outcome either reinforces our, our belief or is the first sort of chisel away at challenging that belief. And so that's largely how the process goes. And, and so what I'll say before I hand it over to Jeff is when I tell you that you can start at any one of those steps, I'll say something like behavior. And maybe it's not my own behavior. I see someone else behaving in some way on something that I believed either similarly or differently. And so, huh, that's weird that he's reacting that way. That's leaving a very sour taste in my mouth. So there's your outcome is the sour taste in your mouth. And, and then, oh. Knowing that, well, now I really believe in that thing more because that's not how you should be behaving as a result. And so largely, you can jump into this cycle at any of the steps based on how you're experiencing something. But ultimately, this process is supposed to help us reflect on our beliefs and then either maintain them or start to challenge them because you've been presented with new information. So Jeff, help me help me finish maybe where I where I was weak in that.
1: <laughs> That's awesome because I'm sitting here like I have no idea what is really more to say about that. But but maybe I'll offer it in, in terms of a question. Have you always been good at this? Are
0: you asking me that?
1: Yeah. Have you always been good at it? Um, I would say may- maybe not over
0: the course of my life, but I think recently, yes, I, I think I've, been, I've gotten much better at at CPR. And why? Uh, because I use it. Because I make it a point to be reflective.
1: Okay, so if I keep, I'm going to play like a two year old. Okay, uh, okay.
0: So if I well, ask
1: I, why again,
0: <laughs> okay. Well, as I was answering that, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Now I know where he's going. Um, <laughs> I, I I have gotten better at it because I believe it works because it has been working.
1: Is okay. that where we're going? It is where we're going. Okay, okay. Do you do you feel like there's any external pressures on you to maybe do this better or do this more? No, I don't. I don't feel any external pressure. I feel
0: only internal pressure because ultimately i think when we get to the point that we're reflecting on our beliefs i think we've achieved a certain level of independence that that lets us know that we're either going to act in accordance with our beliefs or research and be critical and search for information that might help us know maybe that belief was wrong and maybe there's a new way to think about it and so i don't ever feel I've never felt external pressure to alter my beliefs because I feel like I've been at a point for a good while where I'm able to be critical of them, good, bad, or otherwise.
1: Yep. Okay. And, and that's kind of, you know, I was, for me personally, I think about that. And, and I, I think as I've developed more um, solid lasting serious relationships with people um, I've gotten better at this because I will find myself saying, okay, I so want to say this right now. I so want to behave a specific way right now, but how is that going to um, change the the temperature of the room, you know the the emotions in the room? and you start to then realize that hey, maybe maybe your opinion's okay inside your head and doesn't need to come out and play and so. Um, I think just those more um, deep relationships have gotten me to be much more reflective in terms of you know considering not only my thoughts and feelings and how that impacts, but then you know the the thoughts and feelings of others and, and almost having two of these little um, CPR diagrams kind of merging a little bit where you know how is what I'm going to do impact going to impact this situation or this person, and is it worth doing it then? Right. Is it is it the hill I want to die on today? And so, wow. um, I think when I was younger and far more impulsive, um, I couldn't have given two craps less about reframing my thinking. I was I was doing exactly what I thought was fun and exactly what I thought was contrary to most um, appropriate adult behavior. I'm certain of it. Um, and you know, so it can really, what's weird, you know, not weird, but looking back on that, you, you think when you were younger, how many situations you put yourself in that could have been really bad. Um, and you just got lucky and got out of it. Whereas now with all the experience you've had in life, you are able to look at those things and and just be a little bit more, um, uh, deliberate about making choices and understanding how those choices impact others. So sure. So I didn't mean to like throw you a weird curveball. No, there. no,
0: no. I but I but I was gonna say as you were talking, I, I was gonna say maybe more practically, if sort of thinking about this as this four step cycle is still abstract, I think and, and you hit the nail on the head, I think one of the things this has really done for me has actually just served as a better filter. Um and, and helped me to be more deliberate like you said in my thinking because as you said i I just actually was involved in a conversation with a good friend over a tweet that one of our mutual friends had said and this was very much that not all opinions have to be shared (laughs) like like a but b it really opened my eyes to the fact to, to reinforce the fact that that i teach in some of my classes that intent of the message sender means far more, far less than the way that the receiver receives the message. Because what the woman said in the tweet was very, like, context-specific, and someone clearly read it not knowing the background, but immediately jumped on um, the other bandwagon. And it forced this woman to go back and do the tweet of, well, that's not what I meant. That's not what I intended. Well, unfortunately, what you intend is not important. It's yeah. all about how the message is received. And so if we look at CPR as a way to filter how we act or behave on our beliefs based on on considering what the outcome could or would be, then maybe that'll help make us more discerning in what we actually do speak up about or or spend our time on because boy you know if I say that just because I want to say it that's really going to just lead to something incendiary and, and I don't I don't that, that's not what I want um, and so that's what I was going to say too is if you think about this more as maybe just a our first sort of filter into thinking more consequentially then then that's the value in this process
1: yeah and I love that you brought up I I cannot tell you I don't know if you and I have talked about it in the past but but the I preach at my children about and even the the students I have in class, that your intent, if it causes harm, is irrelevant. And I think we find, especially in our world of social media right now, we find people exactly like you said, you know, getting bounced on and then having to come back and they try to fix it. And sometimes it makes it worse. Um, And, you know, even in considering social media, you know, the, the trolls that exist out there who always have something horrible to say, no matter what, Sure. lead it to a path where i mean they I, I truly believe that their belief is my job is to ruffle everybody's feathers um because i you know i i want to see them fight kind of thing right uh, and i think we do this so much when we just especially commenting on um you know any kind of social media thing that's out there forever like there's a a petition going around Dubuque right now that um, the teachers, there was a number of employees that signed it about not wanting to go back until like after Labor Day. One of the comments on the bottom of that page was, well, I suppose if you didn't want to work in a classroom, you shouldn't have become a teacher. Oh, yeah. that's that's really an interesting statement that you make. I'm sure that you know everything about what it's like to be an educator. I mean, it was it was highly offensive, but it was meant it truly, I believe that person came out and meant it to, to sting exactly. Yes, yes. And so I love that you brought up the idea of that filter. And, and, you know, to reiterate it again, your intent is irrelevant if it does harm to somebody else. I mean, that is probably the greatest life lesson I've had in the last decade. Um, and, and I think it's because I have a better filter now. Um, and then you know, let's face it, though, Kevin. Sometimes you screw up, and then you have to go back and realize that you did something wrong. And you can use this CPR then to figure out a way to address the person you've hurt, and you know to try to make that outcome different, or sure. at least to um, repair the damage that you did. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, and, I, and I think that that's the other thing this, that this process does is in the process of reflection, we're not always reflecting forward. We also need to be reflecting backward. And, and if that leads to a, Hey, I'm sorry, I really messed up. Then, then that's also the value of this process because you've gone back to think, wait a minute, I didn't, I didn't handle that the way I really wanted to. Now let's go make amends. So,
1: yeah. so Well, good, good, good. What do you think you want to leave people with today? Since we're kind of getting to the end here. Sure.
0: You know, I I would just say, and I think we've kind of been been dancing around and dancing through the issue, but be open and willing to challenge your beliefs. Um, You know, certainly there are some that people hold fast to the entire breadth of their life. Um, But in many cases, like you said, things like beats or car choice, you know, for a lot of those more benign things that maybe you just sort of always grew up in a house that did X, Y or Z as a gateway to maybe larger issues, but be open to other points of view, be willing to listen to what other people have to say, because you don't know what their experience is and and why they're saying what they're saying. And if you, uh, I'm going back to my, my mantra for the year, if you listen to respond and not to learn, that's when we have sort of belief clashes and, and, and ideological line drawings in the sand where If we if we really wanted to listen to really understand that person and learn from them, perhaps a lot of that that anger and and vitriol could be avoided. Uh, And so that would be my my final thought is please just always be open to at least learning other people's perspectives, because you, you might just learn something yourself.
1: What about you? Well you know I look at it like this. you kind of brought up that notion of a filter and and since I'm pretty sure there aren't a lot of like ten year olds watching or listening to this um, and that it's a you know people who are a little bit older um, that if you haven't learned to develop that ability or develop that filter, um, it's probably a really good time for you to do a little self-reflection on why you think that your opinions or your, your own beliefs, all of that stuff. Why they should literally trump everybody else's opinions, um, and and maybe just kind of take into account the person you are, um, what people think about you, you know, how people perceive you that may not even know you, but just know of you, and and really start to develop that filter, um, and to be able to process through things in order to, you know put a better message about yourself out there. So it's all about growing and getting smarter, not working harder kind of thing, you know? Uh, And, and so I think it's important that if you haven't ever taken the time to really even sit down and individually challenge something you really, really believe in, it's probably a good time to start that so that you, you know, no matter what, at the end of it, you might be able to speak better to why you believe the way you believe um, or you might find yourself changing to something else. Either way, you've, you've, you've grown. Yeah, amen. Thing.
0: Amen. Well good. well, let's let's channel that conclusionary thought into our call to action for you all. Uh, but we want to hear a little bit from you uh, and we, we want to focus on that question of what happens to your thoughts and feelings and your state of mind when you have that discovery that, this belief you've had forever is actually quite limiting. And or, uh-oh, this belief that I've had has actually been very helpful and empowering. And so we would love to hear your thoughts on on that sort of light bulb moment one way or the other, That, that how you've been impacted when you start really digging into how your beliefs affect you. And you can send that feedback to one of our two outreach channels, uh, more formally to our email address, how you feeling podcast at gmail.com. How the letter U feeling podcast at gmail.com. Or you can tweet at us at H U F podcast. In either case, we would love to interact with you uh, and, and spur further discussion from it. Jeff, if people want to hear more from you on social media, how can they do it?
1: Um, I'm on Twitter at Haverland J.
0: Awesome. And as always, you can find me on the Twitter sphere at KP Katani. And we would love to interact with you there too. Uh, so for, for Jeff and I, uh, thank you so much for listening. Remember that in the next two episodes coming up, we're going to be talking about solution-focused and problem-focused thinking. And so if you want to get some questions in now or some, some comments in now, we would love to hear those uh, and send those to the same email and Twitter handles. Uh, but thank you so much for listening. Uh, continue to keep uh, keep yourself safe and healthy. Continue to keep an eye on your village. And as always, thanks for listening to another episode of How You Feeling.